This lecture is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Deacon Danny Cahoot. Okay. We're going to backtrack a little more, but we're going to finally get to Carmel today. Hopefully. But I had to backtrack because I found some really interesting information that I just this week found out that I had never known before in my life in this Bible because it's not in the Bible. And uh, so you know how this, how we in this country, we've got the encyclopedias and we've got world history books and we've got things that contain our history. Well, the Jews, they have what they call a Talmud, T-A-L-M-U-D, which has 38 volumes. And a Midrash, which has 18 volumes, and that's the Jewish encyclopedias that explain the 38 volumes of the Talmud, which is goes through all genealogies and explains Jewish history to the core. And so I had to go back to uh, to Joshua because y'all may have known this, but I had no idea. It's just I'm still digging in it, and I've still got bit, bits and pieces to put together on it in my own study. So if I miss a day, if I miss one little don't crucify me. I'm, I'm just reading in these volumes and I'm, I'm getting some information together that just blowing me away. And I can guarantee you that there's nobody in here but maybe the pastor that, that knows what I'm getting ready to share to the, to the extent I'm going to share it. But going back to when Joshua just brought the Israelites over Jordan, well, I'm not going to cover that again, and they came to the Jordan, they parted the Jordan, and the entire two million people of Jews, animals and everything crossed Jordan. They went to Ebal and, uh, and put the curse on Ebal. And right as they were going in, they were heading to Jericho. They sent the spies out to Jericho. Rahab, which the Bible says was a harlot, hid the spies. I'm not going to, we already had a big deep lesson on that, but Rahab hid the spies and so she begged for mercy, and then the spy says, because you've done this, if you tell, you, it's not going to matter. You hang the red uh, ribbon up, and we'll spare you. What I didn't know, but I'm not going to bounce by it. She, Rahab, at 10 years old, heard about the, the mighty deliverance that Moses had, that God had given Moses coming out of Egypt, the parting of the Red Sea. All the other miracles. And at 10 years old, she was drawn to that. And this, this is, uh, y'all can look, look at it yourself. This is all in the Jewish encyclopedias. The world Jews, this is called the Talmud, 38 volumes in the Midrash. This is not documented in scripture, but this is like, you know, we can trace anybody, but the, the scriptures doesn't point this out. So at 10 years old, Rahab, in her mind, converted to Judaism. And she tried to leave. And they forced her back in in captivity. And so let me read some of this to you. This is coming out of their thing. Rahab was forced at age 10 into prostitution. And she continued in prostitution for 40 years. And this is while they were delivered. But her heart wanted to go there. But they... They, they, they grabbed her and put her in that. And so she had a life. This is how she became the harlot and forced into that. At 
age 50, when Joshua had, they, de- they destroyed the Jericho walls, Joshua ended up, it was the five most beautiful women at that time in the entire world. Sarah was one of them. And I, I don't have the names. I do have them, but I'm not going to cover that. But Rahab was in the top five most beautiful women in the entire world at that time. That they said that, that, that just the mention of her name, people were just just stunned because the, the image of her would come into their mind. But at age 50, after the walls came down, Joshua married Rahab. Joshua had eight daughters with Rahab. This, the more I'm reading this, this, it just fascinates me. All daughters. And through those daughters, through the lineage, they have this trace back, came eight prophets, one prophetess. And I'm not going to cover all of them, but you got... But but one of them is Jeremiah. Isn't that that wild? Another generation down from that was Ezekiel. From Rahab to Harlot. And this is not in the Bible. The Bible, you know, God didn't... I mean, the Jews have this in in their books. But Joshua married and had eight daughters. And through those daughters came eight male prophets and one female prophetess. And uh, and so I'm going to cover one or two, one scripture here. Let's go to Joshua 24, verse 15. And then we'll get jump straight on to the lesson. But that just fascinated me. I'm going to do some more study on that and find out the, the entire genealogy of it. But let's go to Josh, Joshua chapter 24. If I'm wrong, don't crucify me, but it's out of their books. <laughs> That's not scripture. Joshua chapter 24. And chapter 23, Joshua begins to tell them, to explain to the Jews, hey, God has brought us a long ways. You got to decide what you want to do. You got to decide where you are. And so here, he goes through the flood and through the, of old time and, and, how the land was given to Abraham and and all. But let's look at chapter 24 and verse 4, 14. Now therefore the fear of the Lord, now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve you the Lord. And if it seem evil to you to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve whether it be the gods of your fathers that, that your father served on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. And here's the interesting verse right here, which he's talking about his household. He said, but as for me and my house, my daughters, my descendants, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And that's, when you look at that, and, and, and you know, when you say, as for me and my house, it's not, Joshua's not, Joshua's not saying, as for me, I'm going to serve the Lord. He's talking about his, his, his family. Y'all can do what you want. As for me and my house, we're serving the Lord. And y'all can do what you want to do. But anyway, I, now we're going to jump to where we are from the last time I, I taught. 
and uh, was going heading to the battle on Mount Carmel, and and Elijah. And uh, it's going to be actually it's a battle between Jehovah God and Baal. So we, as we studied the, uh, let's go to First Kings. I'm going I'm not going to get into deep detail like I did the last time going through all these, the, the generations. Solomon built the temple on Moriah where David had bought, had bought that threshing floor for Moriah and, and he, that's where the first temple was built. He built that temple and as I, as I talked last time, how he could let his heart fail and start serving God's and, and eight or nine hundred wives and seven, three hundred concubines and, and how he could go and bow down to golden calves after God had put that anointing on him. But through the, through the course of time, we're looking at from that particular point where Joshua was, 480 years. It's not like when you're reading the Bible, it's, it's, this, it's like next week, next month. This, we're talking about a long time. But uh, 1 Kings chapter 6, verse 1. I'm going I'm to briefly touch some of these scriptures I did last time to catch us up to speed the Carmel. So I'm going to go real fast on them. 1 Kings chapter 6. Let's see. Chapter 6, verse 1. And it came to pass in the 480th, 80th year after the children of Israel were come out of the land of Egypt in the fourth year of reign of Solomon, fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel in the month of Ziph, which is May, which in the second month he began to build the house of the Lord. Okay, I just wanted to show you that date, how it's 480 years is a long time, not to God. But to us as people, it's a long time. Multiplying, they're multiplying, they're multiplying people. Okay. And Solomon himself, let's go to chapter 11. And here's where it really gets really bad. And this is what I, I, I told on this. I just can't understand how anointed man, I can't, I can say I won't have 700 wives. I can guarantee you that. that I'm, I mean, that's all I can do is keep one. But chapter 11, this is Solomon's heart turning away from a God that, that he was, from that, he's David's son and, and has given the, the kingdom. He's the king. Verse one, but King Solomon loved many strange women together with the daughter of favor, women of the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Edomites, the Zidomites, the Hittites, and the nations concerning the, which there's the big thing, which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, ye shall not go in unto them, neither shall ye they come in unto you, for surely they will turn your heart after their gods. And Solomon claimed to them in love. He had 700 wives. Imagine that. That's how. Princesses and 300 concubines and his wives turned his heart away. And it came to pass when Solomon was old. Most of us, the older we get, the closer we get to home, the no, we know our days are known. We know it's not going to be long. I know me. I'm 64. In, in 30 years, I'm not going to be here. The older I get, the closer I want to get. I'm homesick. The closer I, the older I get, 
I'm just longing to be there, longing to see him. I want about it. I just want to get closer. I can't see myself some golden calf. Oh, save me, golden calf. I just, it just, it's, it's, I just can't understand what happened to this man. And it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart, turned away his heart after God's other gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord God, as was the heart of David his father. Verse six. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord of David his father. Now my point being with all that, that part right there is I don't believe Solomon died and went to hell. He did gross sin. He did because it, later on it says and, and he slept with his fathers. And I'm not saying that that's saying yeah, he went to heaven. It's, but I'm just saying that, that he got so far in, in sin he hurt a lot of people. And that can happen to any one of us. Like I've heard our preachers say many times, you can spend 30 years, 40 years building a testimony and lose it in five minutes. Just like that. And hurt a whole lot of people. And you, you can hurt people because they look so, they, they put so much faith and oh, pray for me. Oh, help me. Oh, and, and, and they come to you sometimes and, and want, direction and all of a sudden they, they see a different life that they ah and it just hurts people Solomon hurt a lot of people in his kingdom okay now let's jump ahead that was the 11 verse 43 and Solomon slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David his father and Rehoboam his son reigned in the stead now, what did Rehoboam learn from his father? Hey, it was okay for him. It's okay for me. Let's build some golden calves. And, and it went, I'm going to skip a lot of these scriptures, but it went from generation to another generation to where the Lord took the kingdom from Solomon's kids and he divided it. Okay. Let's go to verse, I'm going to, this is what I want to show you. Verse 28 here of chapter 12. This is the king now, descendant of Solomon, which Solomon taught his kids to do bad. These kids, his kids taught his big kids to do more evil. Those kids taught those kids to do more evil. And here we are. And we're getting, we're, we're heading to Carmel now, so just, just bear with me. Whereupon the king took counsel and made two calves of gold. Now this right here, is a direct result of Solomon's heart turning away from God and going after these other gods. This right here. Made two calves of gold and said to them, it is too much for you to go to Jerusalem and do your feast. See, they, they, Jewish law, Passover is going to be, be the, the Feast of Tabernacles and, and the Day of Atonement. They were commanded early on that they're going to go to Jerusalem or go to the temple, and that's where the temple was, and do these these feasts because they're God's feast. I'm not going to cover that another time. But here he's telling them now, hey, you don't need to do that. We'll make the gods here and we'll do our sacrifice here to these golden calves. That's basically what he's saying. So let's read it. Whereupon the king took counsel. And who did he take counsel from? There wasn't nobody godly. And made two calves of gold and said in them, and it's too much for you to go to Jerusalem. That's clean across the city. 
staying home and watching on TV, man. You can, hey, you don't need to go down to that church house, take counsel, and hey, you can sit here and watch the internet service on the internet. And you don't need to go down there and fellowship with the brother. You, hey, forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Stay home. It's all relevant. I paraphrase a lot, but it's, but it's the truth. Made two calves of gold and said, it's too much for you to go up to Jerusalem and behold thy gods. Here, do this just as good. This is, hey, we can compromise with this world so much where it doesn't seem wrong anymore. I've seen it a hundred times with, with Christians. They, a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit there. Next thing you know, they're compromised and it doesn't bother them anymore. The conviction is gone because they're so used to, to junk. Uh, let's see. Behold thy gods. This is still in verse 28. O Israel, which brought, these are which brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Now how stupid can somebody say, this golden calf right here parted the Red Sea. How can the imagination of a heart, a following of people believe this stuff? I just, I just don't, I don't understand. I really don't. It breaks my heart. Because we see it in this good country that we're living in today. I gotta get back on track. Behold, thy gods, O Israel, which brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And he set one in Bethel, the other in Dan, and this became sin, and the people went to worship before the one even under the Dan. And he made a made a house of the high places and made the priests of the lowest people, lowest of the people, which were not the sons of Levi's. God commanded the tribes of Levi's, the Levites, were the priests. Now they're saying, hey, anybody can do it without having the calling of God on their life. Okay. Okay, now we're going to go 1 Kings chapter 15. And I'm getting, I'm just going to speed up here in just a minute. 15 verse 4. Let's see. Nevertheless, David, for David's sake, did the Lord God, his God, give him a lamp in Jerusalem to set up a son after him to establish Jerusalem. There's always going to be a remnant. No matter how bad they get, God is going to always leave one little lamp burning for hope. Because David did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord. Save only, well, and turn not aside from anything that he commanded him all the days of his life, save only the matter of Uriah the Hittite. Okay, I'm going to speed up a little bit now. First Kings chapter 16, verse 25 to 34. A lot of this I went into big detail on now. The last time I taught. I'm just bouncing through. Well, I'm going to skip over that. Yeah, I'm going to come right on up to, to Elijah's life now. What has happened is generation, this one bred this one, this one bred this one, and each one was worse than the other as far as going after strange gods. Now we're up here. We're uh, Omri, verse 25 of chapter 16. This is the leader now. But Omri wrought evil in the eyes of the Lord and did worse than all that were before him. So it got worse and worse and worse and worse. And Omri slept with his fathers. He died. And it was buried in Samaria, and Ahab, his son, reigned in his stead. This is verse 29 now. 
And in the 30th and 8th year of Asa, the king of Judah began to reign, began Ahab the son of Ammon to reign over Israel. And Ahab the son of Ammon reigned over Israel in Samaria 22 years. Ahab the son of Ammon did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. He did worse than his father. How much worse can you get to bow down to a dumb idol and, and say, that idol right there parted the Red Sea? I, I can't get that out of my mind. I just can't. How, how people can sit there and, and worship a hunk of metal. And he reared up verse 32. No, let's go back to 31. And it came to pass as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he took his wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbal, king of Zodians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. He reared up an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a grove, and Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were for him. You know, you got to be pretty bad to be the worst of the worst. The worst of the worst. It's ever walked before you, the worst of the worst. You think it can't get any worse. <laughs> but the book says it did. Okay, verse uh, chapter 17. And I'm going to cover a few things about the widow and... Uh, but we're going to, hopefully we'll jump, get right straight to the battle here in a minute. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. Now, I'll jump to the New Testament here because this, you know, it, it doesn't specifically say how long that was because it says years. But let's go to James chapter 5 real quick. I just want to point this out because three and a half years, it's going to, is how long this was and it's, it's important down the road when we get to certain parts of scripture. James chapter 4, no, chapter 5 verse 17. Elias, which is Elijah, was a man subject to like passions as we are. He was no different. He was no, he was a man. Flesh and blood. He's going to fall. He's not going to bow down and worship a gold calf, but he's going to sin. He's like, he's, he's, he, 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 for all sin. He was not a perfect man. Elijah was subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by a space of three years and six months. There you have it. Three and a half years. Elijah prayed. There's another one. Luke chapter 4. Matthew, Mark, Luke, let's see. Get here chapter 4. Luke 4. Four and verse 24. 20, verse 24. This is, uh, and he said in him, Verily I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country, but I tell you a truth of a truth. Many widows were in Israel in the days of Elias, which is Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, when a great famine was throughout all the land. But unto them, unto none of them, was Elias sent, save the, unto Sarepta, a city of Sidon, unto the woman that was a widow. Now I'm not going to continue on with that because if, if I do, that's going to 
changed the whole lesson. But I just wanted to jump to those two New Testament scriptures that point out specifically that when it's, when, it, when we back here and says, and as, as the Lord God, this is seventh, first Kings chapter 17, and Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. Those years are three and a half years. It's spelled out specifically in the New Testament. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook, Cherith, that is by Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And as we go in our Christian life, if we're doing right, if we're living right, God's going to take care of us every step of the way. And he'll lead us what we need to say, what we need to do, where we need to go. God will take care of us. The, the, the psalmist said, I've never seen the righteous begging for bread. Never. And you look at your own life. Your, your own walk. Name one time when your heart was right that the Lord failed you. Okay. Then the ravens brought him, this is verse 6, brought him bread and, and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening and drank of the brook. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up and because there had been no rain in the, in the land. And the word of the Lord came to him, came to Elijah, saying, Arise, get, unto, get thee to Zarephath, which we just saw that in James, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. If you look back on, as we get further in this, God didn't speak to that woman. God, this woman had no idea what was going on. But yet the Lord already knew. He's already commanded this woman is going to feed you and she's going to sustain you. I've already commanded her and she don't, she knows nothing about it. Isn't that powerful? That no matter where we go in this life, no matter where we go, when our heart is right and we're following the word of God and following his law and following his guidance, he's already commanded our paths. Sure, we might go down and have a flat tire. Sometimes I get out and I say things I shouldn't say. I think things I shouldn't say and getting down the road, but I don't got to stop sometimes and say, I'm here because I'm supposed to be. God has directed, He's already commanded my path. And I'm there. He's, he knows. He knows all about it. It's already done. And it came to pass, chapter, verse seven, that after a while he took the brook, the brook dried up and, and because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zion, and dwell there. For I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. He arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came, to the gate of the city, behold, the woman was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, As the Lord God liveth. See, she was a believer. She was a total believer. But the Lord hadn't spoke to her yet. I have not a cake, but just a handful of meal in a barrel and a little cruise of oil. And behold, I'm gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son 
that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not. Go and do as thou hast said, but make me there a little cake first and bring it unto me. And afterwards make for thee and for thy son. And here's what, here's what tipped her right here. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel. That settled it for her. She knew he was a prophet. She knew he was, she knew that she, he was, she, okay, faith. Faith is believing what isn't as if it were. Yeah. Believing what isn't as if it were. So this lady said, okay, he's going to, God said it. The barrel of meal shall not waste. Here's this for the, thus saith the Lord God of Israel. The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she didn't say, yeah, but that's my last meal. If I, if I give you that, we won't have anything. No, she said, as, as the Lord liveth, I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm, I'm with him. I'm with him. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she, and she and he and her house did eat many days, and the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, not according to the word of Elijah. This book right here has got all the answers. If, whatever it is, we can get together and we can figure it out. It's in here. All of it. And anything, anything we need in this life, it's all here. If we don't, if I, if we, if we don't know, we'll figure it out. It's in here. We'll find it. Okay. And this is another thing of faith. I might, man, I'm running out of time. I want to get to the battle. Because I'm excited more about that than this. But let's go ahead and finish. This is good. And it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman and the mistress of the house fell sick. And his sickness was sore that he had was no breath left in him. Does not necessarily mean, it's like you couldn't see his stomach compressing. If you study that deeper, it wasn't like he was a solid death. And she said unto Elijah, what have I to do with thee, though thou a man of God? Art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and slay my son also? Slay my son. Did God really send you here for judgment on me for what I did when I was young? For what I did when I was 30 years ago? For what I did yesterday? No. God doesn't hold us accountable. When we go to the Lord in prayer and we say, Oh God, I'm so sorry I said that. I'm so sorry I did that. It's gone. God does not hold a judgment on us. We're under grace. And he said unto her, Give me thy son. And he took him out of the bosom and carried him up to the loft where he bowed and laid him on his own bed. And he cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, hast thou brought evil upon this widow with whom I sojourned by slaying her son? And he stretched himself upon him three times and cried unto the Lord, and said, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. And the Lord heard, his, heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came into him again, and he revived. Now let me tell you something. Elijah did not go up there. What did I do today? What did I do today? Oh, no, Elijah went up there. Oh, holy God. Show your mighty strength just one more time. I'm nothing. You know I'm nothing. But I'm begging you. I'm begging you. Bring this boy back to life. 
for the widow's sake. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, verse 22, and the soul of the child came unto him again, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down into the chambers of the house and delivered him unto his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son lives, liveth. And the woman said unto Elijah, Now by this, hey, let me tell you something, we all love our children. You know, it was one thing to see, oh yeah, God filled the barrel up with some, with some grain. You know, filled the, filled the water pots up. But when you heal my son, I, I believe there's nothing I can't face on this earth because I've seen this power personally. And as we walk through this life, I'm telling you, you might go through a battle and if you pray and the Lord delivers you, you get more strength. And you go through another one and you pray and the Lord delivers you. You can look back and say, I know who my Redeemer is. And He lives. He lives. And He'll do it again. And if He don't, it's it, He already knows about it. Okay. Verse 24, And the woman said unto Elijah, Now by this I know that thou art a man of God, and that the word of the Lord is in your mouth. And the word of the Lord in thy mouth is truth. You'll notice when I teach, I don't use anything that I say. I paraphrase, but it's coming right out of this book right here. And I'm not, it's hard for me. I'm not going to go there, but let's, let's continue on. I'm not going to, I'm going to run out of time. And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year. This is after three years of famine. Go show thyself to Ahab and I will send rain upon the earth. And Elijah went to show him unto himself unto Ahab and there was a sore famine in Samaria. If you're not familiar with Samaria is, Samaria is on the West Bank, not on the Mediterranean. And uh, we covered the Samaritans one earlier. I've got, I'm, I'm running out of time. And Ahab called Obadiah, which was the governor of his house. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. For it was so, when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord, that Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them in a cave, in about fifty in a cave, and fed them. Okay, I'm going to jump through a lot of this. Verse 17. Now Ahab has got all these people, this entire nation, 200 million people, or 2 million people, I'm sorry, 2 million Jews bowing down and worshiping golden calves, bowing down and worshiping a hunk of metal. Oh, thank you for delivering me out of Egypt. You know, picture this. The whole nation of Israel is bowing down to these gods of Baal. And then verse 17, And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou come to trouble Israel? And he said, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, and in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Baal. Now therefore, send and gather me all of Israel unto Mount Carmel. See, what I've been doing, I've started in the beginning of, the, of Genesis and I'm covering every single mountain where God did something great on. I've done Ararat, I've done Mar uh, Moriah, and uh, I've done Sinai. 
Here we're heading to Mount Carmel. Now therefore send and gather me all the Israel unto Mount Carmel and the prophets of Baal. 450 of them. 450 prophets of a hunk of metal. Huh. And the prophets of the groves, 400 which did eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent unto the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. Uh, I want to put some more time into this battle. I'm going to read a part of it, but it's funny because I, this, this is some of my favorite scripture. The next time I teach, David is going to go be visiting his brother next weekend, so I'm going to continue this next week. And I'm going to get deep in this battle here, but I want you to see one thing and I'm going to have to close because I think it's funny. When I read these stories, see, me and my brother, we've been on Mount Carmel. You know, on Mount Carmel now, where we got down like down here in Richmond, these soldiers on horses that have done these little battles, they got right on Mount Carmel a statue of Elijah with the sword drawn. Isn't that cool? And, uh, and uh, look at this right here. This is after they, he called them up. He said, look, I want you to Make it rain. Call it on water from heaven. Call it on down. Bring it on down. And uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get way deep in this next time. I really I'm just going fast because I want you to see. Watch me make fun of Ahab. Watch me make fun of of the non-believers. I don't do it. I wouldn't do it personally to them. I'm sharing as a class here. If it was a non-believer here, I wouldn't say some things the way I say them. But this is, uh, this is them. They've been trying and they've been crying and crying for Baal, send water. Send water down here, Baal. Verse 27. And it came to pass at noon, Elijah mocked him and said, cry louder. He's, he's on a journey. He's sleeping. You got to cry even harder. Cry to Baal. He'll, he'll answer you. Cry, cry. Go for it, man. You, you, he can't hear you. You're not loud enough. For he is a God, either he's talking or he's pursuing in a journey, peradventure he's asleep. <laughs> and, I, and they cried aloud and cut themselves after the manner with knives and lancets, lancets till the blood gushed out of them. I'm going to have to stop. I'm going to back up and we're going to cover this battle in really good detail next time. Can you imagine the scene? Oh, Baal, send me some water. Anyway, I've got to close. And uh, I hope you enjoyed some of it. But we'll get, I guarantee you, you'll get something out of it. If, that'll help us. That'll help us get close. Closer. Just closer. You listen to Deacon Danny Cahoot. For more information, Visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.